are listening to a podcast from The National. If you just go by the headlines, the civil war in Yemen is growing more complicated by the day. This is partly due to recent clashes in Yemen's Arab coalition-backed government in the interim capital, Aden. Made up of Saudi Arabia and the UAE, the coalition are fighting on behalf of the internationally recognized government against the Houthi rebels in Sana'a. But the Southern Transitional Council, a semi-autonomous body also fighting against the rebels, have called for President Abdelrabu Mansour Hadi to sack his government over corruption charges. This has resulted in deadly clashes in Aden over the weekend between the forces supported by both Saudi Arabia and the UAE. The Arab coalition has urged for calm and called for a ceasefire to instead focus on fighting the Iran-backed rebels. Western news agencies tend to oversimplify the war, casting the details off as overly convoluted to us and therefore not worth explaining to the reader. They'll frame this as the UAE backing the Southern Transitional Council versus the Saudi-funded Yemeni government, which can't be further from the truth. Simply put, the Arab coalition is in this war to scale back Iran's influence. To break up the coalition is to weaken their position in the battle against the Houthis. The war in Yemen is as convoluted as any modern conflict. Yes, it's complicated, but to understand the war, you need to understand the nuances. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm Nasr al-Wesmi, and this episode will shed some light on the Yemeni conflict. Elizabeth Kendall, an Oxford University academic, has spent extensive periods of time in Yemen uh, living with its people. She's done a lot of research on jihadi influences in the region, and she joins us today. Thanks for joining us. I think to fully understand what's going on in Aden, we have to go back in history. The rift, this this clash that's going on... could be traced back to 1990 when the south of Yemen was an independent state. Could you could you give us a brief history uh, of how we got to where we are today? Some context, maybe. Sure. Yes, the north and the south of Yemen operated pretty independently until 1990, when they were unified. But it's important to point out that within four years, by 1994, they were already at war with one another. And that war did not end in a perfect peace. Basically, the South was crushed by the North and has felt subdued ever since and marginalized. And as a result, we've seen a separatist movement gathering pace. It really came to the fore in 2007 under the title uh, Al-Hirak, the the movement. And it's been gathering support across the South since then, probably saw the uprising in 2011 as an opportunity to try to gain more for the South. And that was a missed opportunity. The National Dialogue Conference, which followed the uprising and continued up until 2014, didn't really address the vital issues of how Yemen was going to be divided and how power was going to be shared. And so today, we've reached a boiling point where those in the South really feel that they need to be listened to, hence the clashes at the weekend. What is your take on the situation currently in Aden? This seems almost separate from uh, the entire civil war that's going on. Yes, in a sense, it's a war inside a war. It's got nothing to do with the Houthis. It's nominally against the 
corrupt government of President Herdy, as they describe it. They don't feel in the South that they're being listened to, that they have a proper share of the resources that they contribute to Yemen, and they therefore are falling out with those who have been until now, their coalition allies fighting the Houthis. So really, this is a sub-war of the greater war. A lot of people are trying to frame this as uh, the UAE-backed separatists versus the Saudi-backed government, but that skews the conflict here a little because it isn't in the coalition's interest to start having cracks right now. Is this threatening the fight against the Houthis at all? I don't think it's threatening the fight against the Houthis yet, although I think it could if it escalates further. But you're right to point out this complication. The Saudi-backed and internationally recognized government of President Herdy is considered in the South to favor the North, and it's also in favor of a united Yemen, of course, whereas the southern separatists are generally perceived to be backed by UAE, and certainly the UAE has spoken positively of them and has made a big effort over the last year or so to recruit militias across the south of Yemen who act independently of the military under Saudi-supported President Herdy. So there is a little bit of a conflict there. And we did see clashes emerge last year, both in February and in May, between forces of the so-called legitimate government of President Herdy and the UAE-backed southern militias. That happened around the control of Aden Airport. So there have been hints of disagreement prior to this. It's just we haven't quite seen the kinds of open clashes in the streets of Aden that we saw this weekend. Uh, you've spent a lot of time in Yemen. You've done a lot of work there, especially among the, the tribes. How do they function in this, at all, if at all? And what uh, what is their role? The tribes are absolutely key to power in Yemen. And the tribes were one of the ace cards that the former and now assassinated President Ali Abdullah Saleh was able to play very well. He was adept at this. The current President Hedi seems slightly less adept at this, although he has appointed a deputy. Uh, the Vice President Ali Mohsin prides himself on being good with tribes. But it's difficult to know how much of that is real loyalty and how much is only skin deep and reliance on salaries and handouts. Now, when the legitimate government claims that it's in control of up to 80% of Yemen, I think we need to treat that number with caution. What it might be true to say is that the Houthis are not in control of a large amount of Yemen, but that does not mean that the legitimate government is in control of it. It doesn't even mean that the southern separatists are in control of it. Really, what it means is that tribes are in control of it, in control of their own areas. And so they do play a key role, not only in being able to swing the conflict, but they also need to be brought in in order to work out how peace might eventually be established in Yemen. You mentioned uh, the deceased former president, Ali Abdullah Saleh. It seems like this, the whole situation in Yemen has kind of spun out of control ever since his death. Was he uh, in some way a counterbalance to all these shifting places? He, he was even famously quoted as saying uh, politics in Yemen is 
like dancing on the heads of snakes. So even though he was an extremely chaotic, erratic uh, ruler, I mean, was it was he kind of a stabilizer in that way? It's possible to view Ali Abdullah Saleh as a stabilizer. Certainly he had strong ties with many of the sheikhs who control many of the tribes. But I'm very reluctant to view Ali Abdullah Saleh as a moderating, stabilizing force. I actually consider him to have been very negative in Yemen over the past uh, 30, 35 years. He clearly was out for his own gain. And okay, as a strong man, he did manage somehow to hold Yemen together. But at the same time, he also created many of the problems that have caused Yemen to fragment and fall apart. So I'm not in favor of viewing him through rose-colored spectacles now that he's dead and attributing the current unraveling to the fact that he's gone. I think this was waiting to happen for a long time. The South has lost patience for a very long time, and now it's boiling over. Often uh, in Western media, the war is depicted as overly complicated. I don't understand how the conflict in Yemen is any more complicated than the Syrian war, Lebanese politics, for instance. I mean, what are your thoughts on why it's constantly being framed as such? Um, I do think that the war in Yemen is particularly complicated. And every time you peel back a layer, you find seven other layers underneath. Um, And part of the reason for that is that there aren't any really obvious good guys. Uh, There are plenty of very obvious bad guys. Whereas somewhere like Syria, you know, the people... Um, against Assad, it's uh, it's easier to to paint it as a, a, a black and white picture. Plus, I guess the reason why um, commentators have not so much got under the skin of Yemen is that it's not on the shores of the Mediterranean. We're not seeing the refugees arrive in Europe in the same way. And because there are all these complicated tribal players and their allegiances are much more fluid Uh, We saw this even with Ali Abdullah Saleh himself before he was assassinated. Between 2004 and 2010, he was at war with the Houthis six times. Then, after the uprising um, from 2014 onwards, he aligned with these former enemies because they had a greater enemy, which was Saudi Arabia. And then, by the end of last year, we saw him jump ship again, trying to align with the coalition against the Houthis, who then assassinated him. So with all these shifting alliances, it it is pretty complicated. Among all these shifting alliances, the people that are getting affected the most are the civilians, uh, those who don't have access to clean drinking water, and we're getting what is often labeled as the worst humanitarian crisis in the world. How does this conflict, the clash in Aden, how does that affect that situation? Does it affect it at all? Well, I'm glad you mentioned the people of Yemen because they are the victims in all of this, not only of their own domestic players, but also of the international players who have latched on to different sides in the conflict. Meanwhile, as you say, we're seeing uh, the worst cholera outbreak for hundreds of years in Yemen. We're seeing uh, people starving. 
uh, famine that uh, is looming and we're seeing diphtheria. I don't think the unraveling of the coalition is in any way going to hasten uh, an end to the conflict and it's going to meanwhile make the humanitarian situation much worse. Not only because people in Aden themselves will start to suffer, possibly die if clashes continue, but also because the much-needed aid that is coming in through the port of Aden will have to be shuttered. Therefore, it won't reach the starving population in the north of Yemen, which will exacerbate their trauma even more. So I do think that uh, the sooner the various parties can sit down and start to really focus on a political solution, the better. And there might be an opportunity for this with the changing of the UN special envoy to Yemen um, this month, well, this coming month in February. The coalition seems pretty uh, united, though. They called for a ceasefire. It was respected for a bit. Uh, it's not in their interest to be to be uh, divided in this instance right mm. now. But how do you see? That's it, right. How do you see it going forward? Well, it's not in the coalition's interests to be divided right now. And as you say, both those parts of the coalition, the UAE and Saudi Arabia have asked their respective uh, militaries to remain in barracks and to desist from fighting and to engage in dialogue. The problem is that their proxy forces are aligned with them in as much as their interests are aligned. When those interests start to diverge, they may not toe the line of what their paymasters say. So far, we we haven't seen things escalate totally out of control, but I think that the situation is very precarious. And we know that there are strong feelings on both sides. So it's not totally certain that the proxies on the ground will do what the coalition wants. That said, at a macro level, at a level beyond Yemen, I do not think that the UAE and Saudi Arabia will fall out over Yemen. They have much greater interests at stake, one of which is their perceived, um, their perceived threat of Iran. A lot of people, I think, miss the fact that Aden is the interim capital of Yemen. So when they get it muddled up, where they, they, you have the Southern Transitional Council kind of fighting with the Presidential Guard, which is the government... They don't understand that a lot of people who are working in Aden right now are actually not from it. They're from Sana'a or were from other places around the country. How much does that factor into the the the, uh, the conflicts, the clashes that are happening now that perhaps the Southern Transitional Council feels like they might be being usurped or their power, their authority isn't being respected? Yes, that's a very important point. With many northerners and bureaucrats um, arriving in Aden, it's easy for that to appear like a, an occupying force. And we've seen that kind of rhetoric being used on both sides, actually. The Southern Transition Council believes that the North has come down and is telling it how to run its business and it considers it to be corrupt. And on the other hand, we've had President Herdy actually refer to the United Arab Emirates in the south of Yemen as an occupying force. So there's very strong feeling on both sides 
that their toes are being trodden on by the other side. And you could easily see how this can escalate into street-level clashes if it's not very, very carefully handled. The clashes between the two sides in Eden began over the weekend when the Southern Transitional Council called to its constituents to demonstrate. The government banned protests on the streets, and that prompted the semi-autonomous group to confront the presidential guard. Dozens were killed and hundreds injured. Although both sides blame the other, they have adhered to a ceasefire organized by the Arab coalition. Ali Mahmoud, our correspondent in Yemen, covered the three days of violence and is in Aden to report on the latest happenings. We talked to him on the phone earlier, and this is what he had to say about the so-called peaceful protest turned into lethal battle. That the Southern Transitional Council uh, were, were trying to to, uh, to set up a protest against the government, uh, whom they accused uh, of being complex with corruption, with uh, uh, financial uh, problems. They they, they uh, consumed a lot of uh, support that granted by the Arab coalition. And they, they, they were trying to do it peacefully, but the, the Ministry of Interior said they will not do it. They prevented them to do it, and they spread, they deployed the army forces all over the city. So the bomb turned to clashes. As the civilians came and they were trying to uh, break into the, the, the square, but uh, they weren't able to do their protest because, you know, the, the military forces were deployed all over, either in, in, in the gates, in, in the roofs. So, um, uh, also some, some of the soldiers who are affiliated with the government, governmental forces, they started firing um, the people who were, uh, who were trying to do the, the protest. And in this point, the, uh, the, the situation turned to clashes. Ali, could you tell me, uh, it's, we're talking to you, it's Tuesday, January the 30th, uh, early morning. Could you tell me what is, what, what is it like? What's the environment on the streets? Now? Right now, yeah. Yes, it is, uh, it is uh, um, quarter to 12, now, now sir, and now in Aden. The situation is there. Town uh, people are practicing their lives freely there. So um, uh, they they look very happy because you know they they were <clears throat> they were trying to to raise their force against this corruption which was practiced by the government. I, I met a lot of people here in Aden and they express their 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 happiness, their joy because now. The city is controlled by the Arab coalition and by the, the Southern Transitional Council. The, the government, I think, uh, will not be able to come back. And uh, everything is going to be like, uh, uh, I mean, uh, everything is going to be uh, going on the right track now after what, what happened. No clashes now in most of other areas. Yes, as I told you, there is a small bucket where some of the governmental uh, I mean, those who are uh, related to the Islah party, they are trying, they, they still fight, but I think they, they are taking over it now. Ali, how does this, 
how does the how do the clashes take away from the fight against the Iranian-backed Houthis? Uh, the Arab coalition has called for calm, called for a ceasefire, and they did this specifically because they want people to focus on the fight. So, are they hoping that maybe the clashes would stop so that they can return to the battlefield and and uh, the push for Sanaa? Nasser, Nasser, uh, the reality, you know, I think everything is going to be clear after after a while because. Uh, you don't know exactly what was uh, revolving, what was doing on here in, in Aden. You know, uh, Islah Barti was, uh, it is the, a part of the worldwide uh, Islamic Brotherhood. They were, they were trying to push a lot of their members to Aden. They had many camps and they were forming a threat to the Arab coalition forces. This is the point. So they they were trying to 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 uh, have those who are extremists, and they they changed them from Qaeda and Daesh to soldiers, and they were against the Arab coalition, against the uh, the, the, the the southern people, and they were just a threat, and they had also some links with, with Qatar and with the you know uh, uh, Muslim Brotherhood. So now that things have no 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 no, no. I, I, what I want to, what, what I want to say that everything is going to be to be uh, sound of it. Uh, I mean I mean the southern people are getting ready to to join the forces that fight Houthis and the uh, the Iran backed militia in the um, western coastline and the, the the northern region. A lot of soldiers are going to join the forces there, which is led by the UAE and Saudi Arabia. <coughs> and you will see, you will see a lot of, uh, I mean, a big excitement in the next uh, few days. And what about Hudaydah? Hudaydah being the port city along the coast of uh, the Red Sea. How is the situation there now? Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> the military forces, which are backed by uh, United Arab Emirates and the Arab Coalition uh, forces, which is affiliated with the, I mean, the Yemeni army and with the southern resistance and also resistance of the Hama region, they are tightening the grip around the city. They they took over Hayes, Kocha, and uh, those border, uh, those which are the strategic uh, districts in Hodeida. And they, are, they, they, they have sort of a very uh, crucial games in the last few days. And they are just waiting, I, I, I think, as, as Abu Zar al-Muharrami, the, the commander of the battle phone there, called me. In, uh, I, I usually update, I call him. He said, we are getting ready. We are ready, but we are waiting to, to give us like a great line to, to advance. Uh, everything is in our hands and we are able to, to move forward, but we still wait for, like, two months. I'd like to thank my guests, Professor Elizabeth Kendall and Ali Mahmoud, for joining the show. I'd also like to thank my producer, Kevin Jeffers. You can find this and all the other national podcasts, such as Extra Time and Business Extra, on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. I've been your host, Nasr al Thank you for listening, and goodbye.